Dartmoor, England's last wilderness, a wild and wondrous region where the Tors and Myers remain haunted by the fables and legends of this mysterious place. Welcome to Myths of the Moor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode six of Myths of the Moor. With me once again is a famous Dartmoor-related author and my dad, Mr. David Hawking. Hello, good to be back. Um, and we are gathered around the microphones today uh, to talk about more... Well, we talked about stones in the past, but sort of natural occurrences That's of stones. That's correct, yes we did. Today we're going to talk about gravestones and the like. Yeah, I thought we might call this episode Grave Tales from the Tours. And, Very nice. Uh, I think a lot of people perhaps don't realise that 3,000 years ago, Dartmoor was a lot more heavily populated than it is today. Um, the climate, miraculously, seemed to have been far better than it is now. <laughs> um, down in the valleys, it was almost uh, like a malarial swamp, but up on the moors... I mean, it doesn't Fine. sound nice, to be honest. No. A malarial swamp. One, it was ghastly. That's why people <laughs> lived up on the top. Ah, okay, um, okay. It really made a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we can still see the evidence of that today with um, the Bronze Age kist veins, which we have spoken about yeah. in, in previous episodes. Um, there are 50 or so that have been um, determined on Dartmoor. And, of course, one has to assume that there are a lot more lower status burials and people probably just wandering along fell over, died, <laughs> fell into a bog, and yeah. were never seen again. Um, but, of course, the uh, the kist veins always developed some sort of mysterious um, allure to them. Um, and maybe that's why there are still lots of ghostly sightings up on Dartmoor. Um, sometimes the kist veins were used as, as markers, boundary markers. There's one called Grimes Graves, in the valley of the River Erm, mm -hmm. and that was used by the 13th century perambulators of Dartmoor. Ah, those perambulators. I think we've spoken about the perambulators yeah. before. Wandering about, doing the, their thing. Well, their job was to go out and determine exactly where the royal forest of Dartmoor actually was, and so it was important. But Grimes' grave, Grim, the old devil himself, maybe, and of course... There's another well-known burial site on Dartmoor called the Giant's Basin. Were there really giants on Dartmoor? Well, we know from the Bible there were giants in the land, it says, in the book of Genesis. So who knows? Was that, were, do you think they were metaphorical giants or <sighs> literal giants? Although they were big blokes, weren't they, I suppose, roaming around... I think the point was that at that time, most people were of relatively short stature. Mm. And so anyone who was, you know, six foot or more... Which may have been like the northern invaders or whatever. Which big could have burly been. Big burly fellas. Big burly fellas. They may well have been regarded mm. as, as giants. Um, and there was a, apparently yet another of these giants was buried in a tumulus on Marden Down near Morton Hampstead. What's a tumulus? Well, a tumulus is just another generic name for a barrow or a prehistoric burial mound. Okay. 
Um, I think it was the Ordnance Survey who first decided to use the word tumulus to describe any sort of mysterious old hump right, in okay. the ground. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so maybe there were giants in the land? Who knows? Um, and, of course, another tradition was that Kistvanes held buried treasure. And we know that in many burial um, rituals, grave goods would be left in these graves. What kind of goods was your average Dartmoor dweller leaving in there? I'm imagining, you know, not sort of Tutankhamun levels of, uh, of no, wealth. No, um, bits of broken pottery have been found. Yeah. Flints, worked flints, arrowheads, the kind of stuff yeah, that yeah. any um, archaeologist of the Bronze Age period would find. Yeah, your classic um, finds. I think... I. I haven't got the details to hand, but uh, I seem to remember there was one um, bronze dagger pommel was once found. Okay. The only really significant Bronze Age find mm. on Dartmoor, um, which became mysteriously lost. Uh, what a surprise. Yes. Um, no one knows where it is, and so um, that remains a myth. I'm not even sure if it was properly recorded mm. archaeology uh, by archaeologists, but... Uh, but there we are. Simple grave goods, and that was probably it. Yeah. But a lot of uh, so-called graves on Dartmoor really are not the burial places of people, but they've become known as tombs. And I think the most classic example is child's tomb. Mm. Child? Oh, you think, oh, a young boy maybe, or a small baby. Not was a child's tomb. Not a child. No. No, no, not at all. Child, of course, as many people know, means young lord in the Anglo-Saxon tongue. And today it's a little stumpy cross on a two-step pedestal on the edge of Foxtor Myers. Again, a strange and mysterious place. Um, it was almost just... Possibly um, it was the uh, the origin of Conan Doyle's Grimpen Mire. Oh, really? The okay. Great Grimpen Mire. But yeah. it is actually Foxtor Mire. Um, it was virtually destroyed in the 19th century, this tomb. Um for building stone. Oh, I see. You know, I see. Okay. Back in the early 19th century, farmers and local people didn't worry about ancient monuments. Yeah. Um, and a lot of this, a lot of the granite, I guess, was just chopped up from other bits of granite that were found on Dartmoor. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. But they were usually worked in some way. Right, So okay, yeah. um, they had some resemblance to a, a man-made artefact. Yeah, it clearly wasn't a, a natural thing. No. But it was restored at the request of William Crossing, who's one of Dartmoor's great writers, yeah. as we know. Um, and Child's Tomb is another of uh, dear old Risdon's three remarkable things on Dartmoor. Okay, go on. What are the uh, what are the other two remarkable things? I thought you might ask yeah. that. <laughs> I think you asked before, and I couldn't remember. <laughs> so I, I've taken the precaution of jotting ah, them good. down okay. here today. Yeah. A Wistman's Wood, right? And yes. Crockern Tor. Ah, we spoke yes, about Crockern Tor, I think. Yeah. Yes, old yeah. Crockern with his eyes as brown as peat water pools. Yeah, so okay. we we know all about Crockern. So, shall we just talk about the, the story of Child the Hunter and yeah, how he on. comes to have a tomb near Foxtor Myers? Yeah. Well, he had um, significant estates at Plimstock back in the 14th century, in the reign of Edward III. And one day he was out hunting on the moors near Foxtor Myers, overtaken by a blizzard. Mm. So he did the sensible thing. Killed his horse. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
i.e. he got rid of his only means of escape, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Disemboweled it mm. and crept inside. Star Wars. Just uh, like just like Han had to do with Luke on Star yep, Wars. Absolutely. With the Tauntaun. With the Tauntaun, yeah. yes. Okay, well, good. Nothing to do with Child the Hunter, but, you know, <laughs> interesting uh, parallel there, I think. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Could sort I of could, I, we can all uh, sympathise with... Well, it was Han. a hopelessly bad idea, because yeah. although the horse initially would have been quite warm and cosy inside... Oh, imagine the smell. Oh, the stench would have been appalling. Imagine, imagine the moment that you realise that's my best course of action, is yeah, crawling yeah. inside the... Disembowel body of my horse, but it was, of course, a totally bad idea. Why didn't he just ride the horse? I mean, I mean that would have, that would have made a lot more sense. It's possible that the horse was lame. That, by yes, this that stage. would make more sense. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But before he died, yeah, he took some of the horse's blood, and he wrote his will. No. Oh. Now it's not entirely clear what he wrote it on. Yeah, the horse, perhaps. If it was a white, you know. He could yeah. have just scrawled there on the side. <laughs> yeah, I think it was probably on some nearby rocks. Okay. Okay? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever... Have you ever tried writing with blood on a lump of granite? I mean, To be fair, I haven't. It's, no. Um, no, never Not come up, really. something you would normally think of doing. No. But, um, he apparently succeeded, despite the fact he was freezing to, freezing to death. Yeah. He wrote this quite nice little rhyming couplet. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very spurious. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> well, he said... The first that brings me to my grave, my lands of Plimstock, he shall have. <laughs> it wasn't brilliant, but, you know, he, it was near enough. OK, yeah, um, yeah. So, who were first on the scene? Yeah. Some monks from Tavistock Abbey. Uh, and they were to have his lands, were they? Well, they thought, hang on a minute. Yeah. We've got our abbey at Tavistock. Ooh, it's one at Plimstock. Mm. Mm, maybe if we claim his body first, we can... Take that it's some kind of medieval takeover bid going. I on. think, as we've seen before with the clergy of this time, they were a little bit, a little bit dubious and potentially on the take. Some of these lads, they were very keen to build up their own estates mm. and their own wealth. Yes, there's no doubt about that at all. So, they, so um, this will may may have been fabricated. Yes. So they were from Plimpton Priory, which. If you know the Plymouth area, it's not far from Plimstock. Okay. So they thought, right, great, we'll have a foot in both camps here. Yeah. So, grabbed the body, presumably yeah. left the horse where it was. Oh, the smell and must have been bad. Off they went. They were heading for Tavistock Abbey. But by this time, and it's not clear how, the monks of Plimpton Priory had actually got wind of what was going on. Okay, right. Um, and so they set out to... Head them off. Yeah. Literally head them off at the pass, as it were. I suppose the assumption was that purely by having the body of this child, that that would be enough. Well, that would be evidence, yes. Whether they'd have to prove that these bloodstained scrawls on a rock were actually his will. Or just having the body and going, look, he's dead. He told us we could have the abbey. Off we go. But in some strange way, the monks of Plimpton managed to head them off. But before they did, the Tavistock monks threw a bridge across the River Tavy right. and managed to get to their abbey before the other group of monks got to them. And that bridge is known today as Guile Bridge. Mm. Now, it's interesting, though, that um, Guile Bridge is right next to the Guildhall in Tavistock. Okay. And so it could actually simply be a corruption of the yeah, guild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Nothing to do with the, the guile of those yes, those medieval okay. monks. 
And is child, in fact, buried in child's tomb? No. Mm. Not at all. So that site is the site of his death. Then. It's not, the not site really... of his death, yeah. absolutely. Okay. But ghostly monks have been seen in the area. Uh. I know you're always saying on these programmes that maybe it would be a great idea if people could see a modern ghost. Yeah, yeah. you never see him. You never do. Well, back in the 1930s, a group of tourists, must have been one of the early motorised tourists on okay, Dartmoor, yeah. driving out towards Child's Tomb. What did they see? A party of monks approaching them. Mm. So they stopped the car to look. As the monks got closer, the whole thing disappeared. So once Ooh. again, the mystery of child's tomb. Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of there's a lot of this heavy monk related uh, activity on the moors at that time. Well, you'd have just you could have been walking around anywhere and encountered a sort of a surly collection of monks because they always seem to be up to something as well. Well, well don't forget, Dartmoor was almost um, bracketed by monasteries. Mm. There was Tavistock one side, yeah. Buckfast the other, yeah. Plimpton Priory in the south. I don't think there was anything around Oakhampton, but yeah. who knows? So it was very heavily sort of monasticised at yes. that point. But let's look at another tomb now that hasn't got any monastic connections okay. whatsoever. Um, this Charles, is... sorry, before we finish on Charles' tomb, you can still go and see the tomb now, can you? Yes, you can. Excellent. Yeah. Any uh, and the residue of the uh, will, long since gone. Long since gone, because I suspect that most of the key rocks were stolen for building, uh, and dear okay. old William Crossing managed to sort of find rebuild some others it. and yeah, rebuild. Okay. So what you see today is a, a replica rather than okay. the original. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So yes, we'll talk now a little bit about Stephen's grave. Okay. Now, Stephen's grave is up on the north-west side of, of Dartmoor, near Peter Tavy. Oh, yeah. And we get the story again from our old friend Mrs Bray. Ah, uh, good old Mrs Bray. We've spoken about Mrs Bray yeah. in her series of letters to the poet Southey. Yeah. Um, so she tells the story of a young man called John Stevens, but obscurely Mrs Bray calls him George. <laughs> Already it's, it's slightly spurious. Yeah, okay. So he was engaged to a young country girl called Mary and they used to enjoy walking on the moors together, arm in arm, the kind of thing that people used to do in the early 19th century. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but one day she was out on the moors alone with her, looking after her flock of sheep and a wealthy young landowner came galloping up. Ah. And naturally she fell for him. Unbelievable. Hook, line and sinker. Unbelievable. Poor old George. Or was it John? She, by that, I mean, she, she couldn't even remember the bloke's name. She couldn't even remember the bloke's name by this stage. Harsh, very harsh. So she completely forgot all about poor old John, and he just took to wandering the moors on his oh, own. Oh, poor fella. Over the spots where he and Mary used to walk together back in the old days. So one day Ooh. George, or John, met his rival out on the moors and attacked him. Nice. Now, it's not clear whether he actually killed him or not, but he was certainly very, very concerned about the consequences of what he'd done. Right. So, like any sort of man of sound mind, okay. he rushed home and poisoned himself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, good. Um, some stories say he... I mean, that's the, I mean that is... Yeah, 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 I know. That's peak revenge, isn't it? It, it is. He was so, he was so desperate to... to uh, Get his revenge. Yeah. That he didn't really reap the benefits of no, it. No, exactly. Afterwards. No, it, it's mm. like um, 
the crack suicide squad in the life of Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, some stories uh, suggest that he poisoned an apple, gave some to Mary. Oh, it oh. was a sort of Romeo and Juliet yeah, type of situation. Almost, but but that's that's another story not told by Mrs. Bray. Oh, okay. Although she does take about fifteen pages to tell the story <laughs> that we're going to deal with in a couple of a couple of minutes. Um, so he had, of course, by doing this, committed suicide. So was yeah. not entitled to a Christian burial in a oh, graveyard. Of course, yeah. So he was buried in 1762 at a place where four roads meet. The classic. Suicide spot. Almost makes you think of Robert Johnson, doesn't it? He went down and sold his soul to the devil. Went down to the crossroads. So that that story sort of persists across the centuries, doesn't it? And one of these roads was called Smitten Heart Lane. It's a good name. Yeah, whether it was named after the event. Yeah, or, yes. No, okay. We, again, we just don't so know. so those those graves. That's obviously a traditional thing to put the. Um, there's the suicide so, yeah. victims' uh, bodies down by the road. Un- are they unmarked? Are they marked with anything? Is there a stone or anything? Well, Stephen's grave is still there. It's still marked by a small stone by the roadside. Okay, Not with his name, I imagine, oh. just the stone. I think the letter S ah, okay. chiseled is in. chiselled onto the mm. stone. So it's the only testimony of that sad tale. But there's one very interesting thing. Um, as his body was being lowered into the grave, a sheet... A bedsheet blew off a nearby washing line, flew up into the air, mm. and was never seen again. Mm. Mm. Strange. Very strange. And I think that's, that's actually um, recorded by Mrs. Bray, but I can't help thinking she used to make up, <laughs> make up a lot of it. But, you know, weird stuff does happen uh, at those um, funerals. Well, I remember at the funeral of our old, uh, our old parish priest... When the uh, the priest was was giving a blessing, the uh, his little consecrating thing with the holy water just fell off and threw into the grave after the uh, after the priest's body. Well, yes, it did, but that was to a large extent my fault. <laughs> because how were you responsible for that? Well, what you're actually talking about is the aspergil, the holy yes, water sprinkler. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Which was made of brass. And yeah, a little sort of heavy brass thingy. Yeah, that's right. But unfortunately, it was made in two parts. <laughs> The sort of water-holding sprinkly bit on one end yeah, and the it, handle on the other. Yeah. So when we knew that his funeral was coming up and uh, we thought his body would be sprinkled with holy water, yeah. I checked this thing out and realised <laughs> that it it wasn't going to work. So you may remember I spent ages at home experimenting yeah. with different forms of glue. <laughs> yes, I do, yeah. But yeah. what I hadn't realised then uh, now was I that, remember. that brass... Cannot really be stuck with anything. (laughs) You can solder brass, but I didn't have a brass soldering kit. Yeah. So I tried Yoo-Hoo and and Arrow Diet and goodness knows what. But obviously whoever was wielding this thing at the time took no notice of it. (laughs) Flung the thing. Just flung the thing and the watery end bounced off. (laughs) Hilarious. But (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious. But I I think... Added an extra bit of levity to the I think dear old Father Charles of... uh, Enborne Parish Church would, yeah. have, would have appreciated the joke. I think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there were lots of his former students from Oxford University there who are very effete young men uh, okay. who sort of appear out of nowhere for these ceremonies and then just disappear back into the woodwork again. Mm. Never saw them again. Of course, the other problem was trying to get the uh, incense going down in the vicarage, which was <laughs> oh, yeah. ab- ab- absolutely festooned with smoke alarms. Yeah. It was almost impossible. 
So anyway, it was a memorable day, <laughs> but here we are up on the Berkshire Downs. We're far from Darwin. Well, that is true. Story. Yeah, let's let's head so, back down the southwest. So shall we go back to the southwest and maybe talk about other people who have memorial stones mm. on Dartmoor? Real ones, true ones, real people, yeah. real stones. Although okay. their bodies may lie elsewhere. Right. Okay. There's one example. Um, Ted Hughes, the poet. Oh yeah, has a memorial stone and. One of the stipulations about that that he made about this was that its position should not generally be well known. Okay. So he didn't want people to say, oh, it's up in the Valley of the Tavy or wherever. Right. Um, it was just to be placed in a spot of his choosing. Um, and there were, strangely enough, there was quite a lot of opposition to this, particularly from feminists. Mm. Upset at his treating of Sylvia Plath. Correct. No doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. The one-time wife of Ted Hughes mm. didn't look after her terribly well. No. Um, Nasty piece of work. Yeah. And so people um, thought, well, maybe he's not the nice sort of chap to have a memorial on Dartmoor. But it what is was his there. connection to Dartmoor then? Um, he lived in Devon for a while. Okay. Not necessarily on Dartmoor, but yeah. Dartmoor was a, a you know a, a big thing in his life. Yes. At that okay. Um, so, so do we know where it is then? It is known now, yes. I mean, okay. with with satellite imagery and, you know, people just walking over the moors have eventually yeah, come across okay, it. Okay. Um, it simply has his name and the dates, 1930 to 1998 on it. Mm, okay. um, I, I've not been there, but uh, if ever we get a chance to go up on the moor in the yeah. next, uh, well, this summer perhaps, yeah, we, we could make that our goal and see It'd if we could find it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, also, not far from Cranmere Pool are a whole series of... Um, I have to digress at the... Digress? Haven't we digressed already a little bit? Um, have to digress a little bit here because these are not gravestones or even grave markers, but they're the famous Philpott's Peat Passes. Uh, Eden Philpott's? Not Eden Philpott's, no. Philpott's... I can't think of his first name at the moment, but he was grandson of a bishop of Exeter. Oh, OK. And he was um, a very um, avid... Hunter used to ride a lot over Dartmoor. And he found that up in those really remote, featureless parts of the Northern Moor, you could very easily get lost. Mm. And also your poor old horse would get stuck in deep... <laughs> Have to kill it, cut it open, it. live inside exactly. it. Exactly. All of that nonsense. So this Mr Philpotts, barrister of Exeter, okay. among other things, yeah. thought, what we'll do, we'll cut some channels in the peat that will link the most inaccessible places okay. so to make them much easier for walkers and yeah, cattlemen yeah, yeah. and hunters as well. Um, and there's um, oh, eight or nine of these. At each end is a small granite stone with a little plaque on it. Hmm. Um, originally they were wooden posts. In 1900 they were replaced with 17 memorial stones. Why 17? That implies one of these passes... Hasn't got one at the other end. Mm. Um, and they simply say that they were marked um, to assist riders and walkers to cover the most uh, okay. treacherous parts of yeah, the wall. Okay. But interestingly, the brass plaques on them were made by Vickers and Maxim, the armaments company. You've oh, heard of right. the Maxim gun yeah, yeah, yeah. and the Vickers gun. Yeah. Well, in addition to that, they made these little... Um, that's Little parts with the Dartmoor Peat passes. Yeah, very odd. Um, the passes themselves are very much eroded now. I I walked on one not that long ago, and it's 
it's actually easier to avoid them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think at one time in the 60s, the army dug them out so they could get Land Rovers across. But, of course, that sort of thing is frowned upon now. Mm. I think in a previous episode, did we talk about something called the Money Pit? I think it may have been mentioned, yeah. <laughs> yeah, on the, on the slopes of Yar Tor. Yeah. There's another memorial to a chap called Evelyn Cave Penny. That rings a bell, and Cave it, Penny. Yeah, it's known as the Cave Penny Memorial, yeah, strangely okay. enough. But the odd thing is it's on a little stone outcrop called the Bellstone Bible. Ah, well, we talked about Bellstone. Yep. Well, it's nowhere near Bellstone. Oh, OK, <laughs> obviously. So I don't know why it's so-called, but there it is. And he was killed during the First World War by a sniper in Palestine. Oh, which just goes to show how many fine... British lads have gone mm. out to the Middle East and got yeah. themselves killed in some futile <laughs> <laughs> endeavour yeah. endeavor or escapade. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's carrying on today. Oh, um, but okay. his family lived nearby at a place called Rogue's Roost. Oh, OK. So you might imagine that to be a hotbed yeah. of crime and so yeah. on. It was actually a centre of sheep rustling. A centre of sheep, sheep rustling. Yeah. And a century or so ago, it was occupied by a certain Granny West. Granny West? Yeah. Should, we, should I know Granny West? I don't, I don't think so. No, oh, okay. I, don't, I don't suppose many people did. <laughs> um, but the interesting part about the story was she had a mad son. Ah, OK. Who, who, it's a classic, classic mad yeah, absolutely son. Cla- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she kept him locked up in an outhouse, almost chained up like an animal. And eventually the authorities got to hear of this. And they came and rescued him, took him to an asylum, yeah. where he promptly died. <laughs> he obviously... Quite enjoyed being locked <laughs> up in this outhouse. I mean, it's oh, amazing, dear. really. But I mean, the Victorians were up to some weird stuff, weren't they? they or re- was this even prior to that? I suspect it's sort of early nineteenth century, so maybe yeah, pre-Victorian there, age. Around that time, wasn't it a sort of thing that you know rich aristocrats would sort of have like a uh, would have like a sort of hobo that would live in the back garden, a sort of cat weasel type of fellow, you know? Who might be sort of slightly magical or yeah. something. Oh, well, some... I mean, some landowners actually paid people to be hermits. Yeah. There were paid yeah. hermits who lived in grottos. Yeah, that's it. And, and they but was, he might do a little bit of sort of close-up magic for the children or something. Yeah, or, or possibly write, write some very obscure poetry. Yeah. Yeah. That's And, weird, and then when, when these gentlemen had their, had their fine guests, um, they said, oh, come and see my hermit. <laughs> <laughs> and there'd be this sort of pathetic old bedraggled bloke living, living in some sort of damp cave it's somewhere. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely mad. That is very um, weird. The things we do, yeah, we humans. Very eh? strange. Um, oh, well, poor old, well, we don't know his name, the, Mad Son. Yeah, Mad Son of Granny West. Yeah. yeah. They're probably Bob West or something. Yeah, OK, yeah. poor chap. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, there you are. Took him out of his natural milieu and he couldn't handle it. Just, <laughs> well, yeah. just faded away, poor chap. Although it's the opposite of the story about the baby that was left outside and died. It's well, all, it almost pr- it's 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 the uh, it proves the of, point, doesn't it? Yeah, yes, it does. It's, <laughs> it's the exception kind of that proves mirror, the rule. Mirror image of that that particular yeah. story. But let, let's talk about something that has more direct relevance to burials on dogs. Yes. I think we should get back to the to serious cut, matter cut in to hand. The yeah. chase here yeah. at this point. Until the 13th century, it was church law that you had to be buried in your parish church okay. or in the churchyard Make, attached. Makes sense, yeah. yeah. The problem was most of Dartmoor was in Lidford Parish. Right. If you look at the map of parishes, even today, Lidford is a massive great 
parish that blisters right out mm. all over the central parts of Dartmoor. Okay. Right out to the old ancient tenements, 36 ancient tenements. We've mentioned them before, Brimps, Piswell, yeah. Baveney. Weird names, but there we are. That's what they were called. Um, so they said it was eight miles from there to Lidford Church in good weather, 15 in foul. Yeah. And there were no bridges, no roads, so the coffin would have to be carried on the shoulders of the, the mourners. Bring out your dead. That's what I'm imagining. <laughs> Bring out your yeah, something like that is what I'm imagining. Bloke Ver- with a cart. Yep. Load on your bodies. Very much. Absolutely. Yep. I'm not sure about the <laughs> clanging of the bell, but you know, it may well have happened as well. So <laughs> when this crowd of reprobates got as far as Tavistock, they took the body off the cart, put it in a coffin. And even to this day on the banks of the River Tavy, there's a coffin wood. Oh, really? And leading away from coffin wood is Corpse Lane. But even there, even by the River Tavia, they still had quite a long way to go to Lidford. So there'd have probably been a little fella there knocking up the uh, coffins. Knocking up the coffins, yeah. yeah. A bit like in Western films, where there's always, <laughs> yeah, there's always, always... Like, sort of deal boards sort of hammering them. Yeah. Down. Yeah. So more, like, more business for me. Like yeah. they're always like happy, aren't they, when yeah. the gunslinger comes that, to that's town? That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So so that's probably what uh, what happened. But eventually, Bishop Branscombe. Mm. And in a further episode, we may talk a bit more about Bishop Branscombe. Okay. He, he thought, well, look, this is madness, people having to drag all this way to Lidford. Yeah. If they live in the middle of the moors and they're closer to Widdicombe Church or Buckfast, let them go there. Yeah. So that became established as a normal way of doing things. And the path of the dead or the lich way mm. was established. Of course, it passes very close to the haunted area of Wistman's Wood. Oh, yeah. Which, which we know very well. And halfway up the hill from Dartmeet is the Coffin Stone, which was a resting place. Ah, so they right. yeah, puffed, yeah, yeah. And puffed up that steep hill. Nice stone, Coffin Stone. Mm. If you go to the Coffin Stone today, you'll see two things. One that it's engraved with lots of little crosses, each one of which is supposed to represent a coffin that was put there. Mm. The other interesting thing is it's completely split down the middle. Oh, okay. And that's thought to have been the result of a lightning bolt that came down when a miscreant's coffin was placed on. Yeah. (laughs) It's the final judgment. Oh, yeah. A really wicked character rested there. Lightning split the stone in half. So were all of these, all of these, all of these folks that were transporting the bodies across the parish and, and that kind of thing and fashioning the coffins, were they all employees of the um, parish then, or would they have been doing this no. under some other under some other employment? What were they? Uh, they probably wouldn't have been employed at all. I expect that the local village carpenter would have knocked the coffin together. Yeah. But the the funeral party would have been the deceased person's neighbours. Oh right. And okay. Friends. Yeah. Okay. So particularly from they'd that, have had to band together and. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget, at that time, the little group of ancient tenements in central Dartmoor would mm. have, there were thirty five altogether. I think. Okay. So there would have been quite a resident population. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would have had a carpenter's shop and a blacksmith's mm. shop. And so there was probably God, always that would have been miserable, though, oh, wouldn't it? Utterly miserable. Absolutely. You have to drag the dead body 15 body. Yeah, miles over the moor yeah. under 
duress. Crikey. Of course, sometimes when the weather was so bad, it was just impossible yeah. to do it. And that reminds me of a story um, based on the Warren House Inn, which, oh, yeah. which we know well. We've discussed that Fine before. Fine establishment. Very fine establishment. In one of the great blizzards, possibly 1881, um, a traveller arrived at uh, Warren House Inn and said, oh, could I have a room for the night? Did he speak like that? I don't, I don't know. know. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was, you it, might as well it, carry it, on with it. No? It's, it's not known. <laughs> Could I have a room for the night, landlord? <laughs> and the landlord said, well, yes, of course, we've only got one room, but it's quite a nice room upstairs, showed him up. Mm-hmm. So a chap got ready for bed. I suppose he had a meal first or something, I don't know. Anyway, as it, he was getting ready for bed, he noticed a coffin in the bedroom. <laughs> Hard to miss, really, I'd have thought. Yeah, well, it, might, it may have been a big room or yeah. dark, we don't know. Um, so he opened the lid. There's a dead body inside. Oh, God, he said. I've checked into a pretty yeah. rough place here. <laughs> I'll end up in that coffin as well in the oh, morning. Oh, I see, yeah. But he was tired and just oh, went off to sleep. Well, he just slept in the room with the dead body. Well, he had body. no choice. It was, <laughs> I'd have had a word with the landlord, I mean, at, well, least, he, at the he, very he, least. He did the next day. <laughs> but, you know, the snow was up to the windows. He couldn't go anywhere. Right. So he was stuck with it, basically. So, um... He came down for breakfast in the morning and said, uh, Oh, I noticed you've got a dead body in in the guest bedroom up there. Always, said the landlord. That's our old feather. We've salted him down till we can get him across to Lidford. (laughs) 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 And apparently this used to happen quite a lot. If the family was salting down a pig, any dead relatives they happened to have, they'd chuck him in as well. What? And until they were ready to get the funeral underway. I know. Crazy, isn't it? Absolutely bizarre. If I checked in to a, you know, Holiday Inn Express and there was a there was a coffin in the corner, I'd be having words. I, I think <laughs> that would not be acceptable. I think you'll find the nineteenth century Warren House Inn was yeah. a very different affair from the Travel Tavern mm, I can imagine. of this modern age. Yeah, Simon. I can imagine. <laughs> Crikey! Um, but there you are. There is a place on yeah. Dartmoor which is called the Graveyard. Okay. So you might wonder how many people are buried there. Yeah. None at all. Obvious. In fact, it's a, a triple stone row made of quite small stones, so they look like tiny little tombstones. Okay. All lined up, a bit like a, the British war graves. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Very, yeah, very yeah. regimented lines of stones. But there is a kiss vein nearby, so it's possible some woman's buried there, but not under okay. the stones of the graveyard. Ooh. There's another interesting um, place I've just thought about between Hole and Hexworthy near Coombstone Tor called Hangman's Pit. Uh, now, more gibbet action. We've spoken well, about gibbets and, not, and stuff. No, before. not necessarily a gibbet. This mm. is rather a tragic tale. A chap had been in, into uh, to Brent, to Brent Fair, and bought a horse. Okay? Yeah. On his way home, he thought... I've paid too much for that horse. It's a pathetic, lame old thing. Mm. My wife will be really fed up with me when I get home and say, look, I've bought this Buyer's remorse. terrible old nag. Buyer's remorse, exactly. Well, he was very, very remorseful. When he got to Round Hill near Princetown, went down into a hollow in the ground, hung himself. I mean, come on. It can't be that bad. Well, he must have thought it was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. So... His wife was standing outside her cottage door and she thought she saw him appearing 
through the mist. Ooh. His figure approached and then suddenly disappeared. And that was the very moment when he'd hung himself from that Ooh. tree in Hangman's Pit. I mean, at least John Stevens, you know, got his revenge before committing suicide. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a... that's a, mm, He's gone too far there, hasn't he, really? I, I think so, yeah. I, I <laughs> he could think... have just brought the horse home and apologised. Yeah. And also sort of taken it back under warranty next yeah, day. That's so, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I yeah. Do. yeah. yeah. Look, this horse citizens' got, advice. Yeah, it's only got, got three there, legs. So. This horse, you know, you've, you've seen me off here. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor. So chap. poor old chap. Mm. Anyway, he hasn't gone away. He still haunts the pit oh, to this yeah. very day. So they say. Yeah. Mm. Yep. If you drive from Tavistock to Oakhampton, near the Dartmoor Inn, you look left and you can see up on the hill. A tour with a cross on top. Mm -hmm. Now, this is yet another Dartmoor memorial. No one's buried up there, although it's very, very steep walking up. You feel half dead by the time you get <laughs> okay. to the top. Um, but according to Eric Hemery, who is the great Dartmoor expert, yeah. um, he calls it Bray Tour. I've seen it called Brat Tour, Bra Tour. Mm -hmm. But the cross is called Widgery Cross. Okay. Now, we know about Widgery. He and his father were both very, very fine artists. Yes. And they both produced beautiful, evocative scenes of Dartmoor. Very much so. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a couple myself mm, very nice. uh, at home. And, and they are really wonderful things. But why is it Widgery Tour? Does it commemorate Widgery? Well, no, it doesn't. It was erected by him to commemorate the Jubilee of Queen Victoria. Ah, OK. And in some way, the two names have become conflated. Widgery, some people call it Widgery Tor. It isn't. It's Brat Tor. Mm. But below, in the Valley of the Lid, is another memorial to a soldier called Captain Nigel Hunter. Now, we don't know how he met his death, but I think he was also First World War soldier. And on his memorial stone is a little poem, and it ends as I gazed at the cross on Widgery Tor. Oh. So obviously that scans a lot better than as I gazed at the cross on Bra yeah, Tor. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why there's so much confusion about what that mm, Tor is actually called. Interesting. But I've left maybe the best-known Dartmoor grave story to last okay you're probably just as familiar with this as as i am oh. it's a story of jay's grave uh, yeah. ah yes yeah. yeah it's said that jay's grave is one of the most popular dartmoor tourist sites whereabouts is it then if you could uh, point it um out it's at the foot of crypton down near bowerman's nose that oh, yeah. i think again we've referred to mm. um it, it's Sort of on the eastern slopes of Dartmoor. Okay. Almost where the moor turns into more gentle agricultural yes, yeah, yeah. country. Um, it's very interesting. It, it's again on crossroads where four roads meet. Okay. And it's just a low mound of grass-covered soil. Okay. Nothing very elaborate about it. Um, and it's supposed to be a suicide's grave of a young girl called Kitty Jay. Mm. Back in the 18th century, see, it's always the same old story. She <laughs> was seduced by a farm mm. boy of Manhattan. And, of course, the inevitable result, baby, 
Yeah. Oh dear. Mm. She was so ashamed and so persecuted that she hung herself in a barn. There's an awful lot of unnecessary suicides yeah. going on. And because of that was denied a Christian burial. Yeah. So once again she was interred at this place where not only four roads meet but three parishes meet as well. Mm-hmm. So it's almost outside anyone's jurisdiction. Yeah. Yeah. The grave was apparently excavated reasonably professionally, I suppose. Yeah. In around 1860, and a female skull and bones were actually found. Oh, there you go. So the story of the burial is probably true. Yeah. But one very odd thing about it is there are always fresh flowers on the grave. And uh, Long no... since have these flowers grown on the tombs of my forebears, etc. Yes, well, it's almost almost like a law yeah. scene from Lord of the Rings, isn't it? Ooh. But these are flowers that are placed there by human hands. Oh. They don't grow. They are fresh flowers placed in a little vase. By whom? Well, nobody knows. The story goes that no one has ever seen placing these oh, cool. flowers on the grave. But some think the story was, or the legend was created, if you can create a legend like that, by Beatrice Chase. I don't know if you've heard of Beatrice no. Chase. She was a lady who lived at a place called Venton, okay. near Widdicombe in the Moor, back in the 1920s and 30s. And she was a prolific writer of books about Dartmoor. Ooh. The Dartmoor window, through the Dartmoor window, <laughs> the Dartmoor window again. <laughs> more Dartmoor more Dartmoor windows. Windows. Yeah, yeah okay. you, you get the idea. Yeah. And um, she almost made a, a, a business out of this. Mm. Um, people used to visit her cottage and she would always sign the books um, I think she'd okay. charge an extra sixpence for a sign. <laughs> and, and they do say that the rare Beatrice Chase books are the ones which are not signed. <laughs> um, so she possibly started the tale, but another, in that way, another mysterious Dartmoor legend was born. Yeah, very and, interesting. Uh, the, the last time I was there, which admittedly was a few years ago, yes, there were fresh flowers on the grave. Oh, really? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So should we just finish with uh, one final um, gory tale? Oh, yeah, why not? Like a bit of gore, yeah. why not? Um, on the western slopes of Dartmoor, between Tavistock and Oakhampton, mm-hmm. there is the uh, suspiciously named Gibbet Hill. Uh-huh. It's on the slopes of Blackdown. And it's a lonely stretch of road, far lonelier back in the 19th century Mm. than it is today, obviously. And it was a favourite haunt of highwaymen. Now, if any of these uh, dastardly fellows was actually Mm. caught and condemned, his body would be hung alive in a steel cage that would hang from the gibbet. That's a sort of medieval uh, punishment almost. And he would die of hunger and exposure. Oh, and apparently, Probably whilst getting hurled abuse by, by oh, passers-by on the passers road. By, yeah. Almost certainly, yes. But apparently, if you go up there on windy nights, you can hear the rattling of chains and brought to you on the breeze is the foul stench of rotting flesh. Mm. And I think at that point, maybe we've heard enough. Very of the tombs good. of Dartmoor. Yeah, well, thank you very much indeed. Some very obscure and interesting tales once again. Well, it's a great pleasure to share them. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you once again, big guy. It's been a very good, a very good pod this week. Lots of interesting stuff for people to go away and research there as well. I think absolutely. Um, and yes, maybe we'll find our way up there to look for old uh, Ted Hughes. 
stone sometime this I'd summer. like to do that. That would be a great challenge, I think. Excellent. Right, well, we will catch you next time, folks, on the very next episode of Myths of the Moor. Thank you.